0: John 15, 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, it shall be done unto you. How about that? Psalm 16, 11, thou show me the way of life, in thy presence is what? Fullness of joy. at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be on cloud nine all the while, but it means the overwhelming, the great majority of experiences of life will find us victor, you see. Union with Christ. My, my, I want to share with you some of the prayer experiences that we have had and how it should encourage our souls to to keep this union in Jesus. I remember... When my brother Lester and I were just little tykes, maybe 7 and 9, our older brothers would come back to our Lincoln Center Church. We want to share that story that church later this week. Our older brothers, who now in the, were at that time in the ministry already, they would come back and preach. And we just loved to hear our brothers preach. They would they would preach with great enthusiasm. And when they'd become extremely enthusiastic, my brother, Lester and I, called it getting on their ear. <laughs> and we said, I like it when they get on their ear. <laughs> and so we'd go upstairs in the second floor of our house, way through to the end of the house, there was a little room, and we'd sit down and preach at each other. And we'd try to get on our ear. <laughs> and we had a great time getting on our ear. And I'd preach, I couldn't get on my ear like he did. But he'd get on his ear. Anybody ever hear my brother Lester preach? He gets on his ear. <laughs> he isn't trying to. He can't keep from it. And I can't keep from it either. You know, you don't try to put it on. You try to modulate it, but you can't. You get so excited. You know, it's something to get excited over, the Lord of Calvary, isn't it? You see lawyers and doctors, teachers, go off to a park where somebody takes a stick and he hits a little round something, and he hits it 400 feet. And you know what? All of these great men and the, and, and the teachers and the homemakers and all, you know what they do? Woo! They clap because somebody could hit a ball. Doesn't that mean all things you ever heard? And then they come to church, and they say, you must be reverent. Be just as near to a corpse as you can be. That's reverence. I don't believe in corpse reverence. I believe in love reverence. I believe in joy reverence. I believe in a God that says, in his presence there's fullness of joy. And you can be joyful and loving and reverent. (laughs) But no man can be reverent unless he knows the Lord. He can be scared. He can be quiet. He can be a corpse. But he can't be reverent unless he knows the Lord. And if he knows the Lord, he's joyful. Amen? That's right. So we would, we would preach at each other. One morning, mother got discouraged. And I noticed this. Talk about union of, with Christ. When mother would take her quiet hour with the Lord, she was a beautiful character. When she neglected it, she was just a plain coon. And father, father made it a practice to take time with the Lord every day. And when he did, he was a completely different man than when he didn't. In my own ministry, I found the same thing. There's joy in the Lord. At his right hand, there are pleasures. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be uh, tried. It does not mean that we won't face great temptations. It does not mean that there'll be times of agony. There will be. But it means the overwhelming overall picture will be one of rejoicing in the fact that God takes care of his own. Amen. Mother evidently had lost out with her union with the Lord, and that Sabbath morning she was discouraged. She was so discouraged that she was sick. She played sick. (laughs) Did you ever hear of Sabbath day sickness? It comes on usually somewhere between Friday night and uh, 8.30 Sabbath morning. And then it leaves about sundown Sabbath afternoon, Sabbath day sickness. And this Sabbath day sickness was coming on her. And my brother Lane, who was about 14, 13 years older than I, I was about seven, I guess, at the time, my brother Lester about nine, my brother Lane saw that mother was was just kind of discouraged. And he said to my brother Lester and to me, he said, now, I'll tell you what you do. We'd practiced up preaching pretty much, you see. (laughs) He said, I want you to climb one of those apple trees there's an apple tree maybe oh maybe a couple hundred feet from mother's bedroom and her window is up just a little bit we had apple trees we had a strawberry apple tree anybody ever hear of a strawberry apple tree beautiful beautiful apples delicious and its branches started quite early he said you boys can climb that tree easily now he said glenn you climb this tree and you sit on that branch Branch kind of went out, you know, at right angles. And Lester, you sat on the branch on the other side. He said, and you'll have a make-believe 11 o'clock service. And he said, you'll have a little song service. As I recall now, we'd have a song service. My brother Lester and I used to sing together quite a bit in those days, and we could pipe it up, I'll tell you. You'll have a little song service. Now he said, you'll call yourselves uh, Elder Lester, nine years old, you know and Elder Glenn, seven years old, or whatever it was. And he said, and you'll sing your song, and then, and then, whichever it was, Lester will say, now, now Elder Glenn will lead us in prayer. And he said, Glenn, as you pray, pray, as you pray loud. Pray clear. Pray with power. And pray something like this. Dear Lord, you know Mother isn't feeling well today. Help mother to get well so she can go to church. Lord, you know she needs to go to church. You know she'll be blessed in church. Dear Lord, we ask you to help mother to be able to get up and go to church. Dear Lord, you're doing it, Lord. Mother's going to get up and go to church. And when we got through that little service, we went in the house. Mother's getting up, getting ready to go to church. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures. Pleasures forevermore. My brother Clinton, when I was still a little tyke, he came back and I heard him preach a sermon in church. He told how that he had a girlfriend who was not a Christian. And this girlfriend turned to be a tempter. She was a tempter. And he realized that the devil was tempting him through her. And I heard him, as a little tyke, I heard him stand there at the pulpit a full grown minister and saying, he said, every time that I found myself restless, I must be with her. He said, I found if I would slip away with the Lord for 15 minutes, that power of restlessness was broken. And I listened. You'd be surprised how little children listen to a sermon far more than we think they do. They can be writing on a slate or a piece of paper and you go home and they can tell any story that preacher told better than any adult can. And I listened to what my brother was saying. Oh, yes. Aha. Uh-huh. So when I'm tempted, I can flee away to the secret place of prayer. I can reach up to the power that is waiting. Oh, it meant so much to me. And I've been doing it. you know, my friends, Mother was a beautiful Christian. When she abode in Christ, and his words abode in her. Take that hour with the Lord each day. Don't just resolve, do it. When you and I come to the close of life, there's nothing we can take with us except the hope of Jesus Christ and the character that he's given us, right? How silly a person is to spend his time on this and that and the other when he could be spending his time a quiet hour a day even to build that beautiful character that God wants to build in us. Let's resolve to do it. It's extremely important. It's so important we ought to plan the day ahead so we'll get to bed early enough, so we can get up early before the rush begins. The time to take it is before people can come in on us and disturb our quiet hour with the Lord. Father, the same way. I found that victory over habits like tobacco and other habits, if a person will will go to the Lord every half hour who's getting longing for victory, and claim a promise every half hour and say, thank you, Lord, you're doing it, he doesn't have to smoke anymore. It's when he, when he starts claiming the promise and finds victory a little, and then he exalts himself and said, I don't need the Lord, that's when he falls. So in his presence, there's fullness of joy. You know, you know what prayer means? According to Psalm 1611, prayer means that I enjoy the Lord. That's what prayer means. It means that I figure that the Lord is sweet enough and wholesome enough for me to enjoy him. A lack of prayer means that I don't account that the Lord is worth my fellowship. Is he worth my fellowship? Is he worth that quiet hour a day and then taking him with us through the day? A thousand times yes. Then we can claim John fifteen seven, if I abide in you, if your words abide in me, you can ask what you will. Then our prayers won't be selfish because they're the prayers of an abiding Christ, you see, that's within us. I remember when I was teaching school in 1925 in North Carolina. Many, many months of that year were pleasant. There was a little rippling brook. I would go out for my quiet hour with the Lord beside that rippling brook. Oh, it was beautiful. The birds uh, flitting around, you know, singing in the trees. Oh, my. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. You know why people feel uneasy in prayer? You ever stop to wonder? I found tens of thousands of our own people You talk about prayer and they begin to yawn. You know why? There are many reasons, but I'll tell you one reason why that prayer meetings have ceased to be joyful is because people come to prayer meeting and they pray Magellan prayers. You know what a Magellan prayer is? Magellan is supposed to be the first man to have traveled around the world. When we were in the Philippines some years ago, we learned he didn't get all the way around the world. A Magellan prayer is when a man is praying all around the world and others hope he'll put into port somewhere. When I hear a man praying a long prayer in public, I know he hasn't found contact with the Lord. You take an outlet in the church, an electric outlet, and if you see a man, if you saw our teammate Bill now, if you saw him there, he was going to plug into this outlet And he's there, and he's there, and he's there, and he's there, and he's there. What is that saying? It's saying he's not made contact. When a man in public is praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, praying, it's a sign that he's not made contact. When you make contact, there is power. I have prayed hundreds of prayers that fellow Christians in public would stop praying. And within five minutes, my prayer was answered. I've been in homes with fellow workers where they went ahead to pray. They're preaching at, at, they preaching at the person in the home in their prayers. And I said, Lord, please, please help them to pipe down. And instead, inside of five minutes, the Lord answered my prayer. But that five minutes was agony. They were wearing out the saints. Great, long, backslidden prayers that meant nothing. Instead of a fellowship in Jesus Christ, it was preaching at people, getting them on their knees where they can't retaliate, they can't speak for themselves, and then we give them the works on their knees. No wonder so many people don't like prayer. No wonder they feel ill at ease. And then they go to prayer meeting and they get great, long, Magellan testimonies. (laughs) I think of a time... Many years ago, I, I like the testimonies. I like good short testimonies where people get up, speak up, and shut up, you know. But one man got up in, those testimony, in that testimony service and he started something like this. I was born, well, we all knew that. He didn't have to tell us that. I was born in such and such a county. We knew it must be born in some county. Leave out all those things that don't matter. Say, I was in need, and this was my need, and I came to God in my need, and this is what he did. Glory to his name. Amen. You see? This is why prayer makes people uneasy, is because the devil has gotten God's professed Christians to pray great, long, backslidden prayers. Oh, isn't it a shame? What a shame. I was in a home years ago, my wife and I, I even hate to mention it, a very conscientious mother. She had children, five years old, seven years old, nine years old, 11 years old, 13 years old, 16 years old, something like that. And she was conducting worship. The children were standing, and I was standing. And she spent one hour in worship. And you know what she was telling those girls in worship? She was leading out in the worship. You know what she's telling them? Girls, I want to know the awful days ahead. She spent one hour telling them about the terrible days ahead. And you know, I looked at the girls and I found they were doing this. One leg and then the other. They just could hardly stand it. And if I hadn't been insulting the woman, I'd have walked out making the religion of Jesus Christ so dry, so negative, she should have been saying, girls, a wonderful day is ahead of us. The Lord will never fail his people. God's people will be delivered, everyone. We're under his wings. No plague will come near us. Not one, because we've given our hearts to Jesus Christ. We're his children. We've confessed our sins. He has forgiven us. Whatever happens to the world, we'll go through. There'll be trouble for the world. Won't the world be in trouble, girls? We're going through by God's power. My friends, may God forgive us for all the negatives we're pouring on people instead of letting them know that our God is a good God. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are, there are pleasures forevermore. One of the wonderful things that I found at home was father and mother told us Bible stories. We had worship every day, morning and night. Never one one day was worship missed in our home. Never was two worships missed every day. Every day worship morning and night. And often at noon. And then the times that dad and mother would sit on the edge of our bed at night (laughs) and tell us Bible stories. Do you think, my friends, that you could ever forget in his presence, his fullness of joy, when you tell some of these Bible stories? Do you know? They're dramatic. Take the story of Daniel in the lion's den. That's a tremendous story. You can't overdo it. Daniel in the lion's den, the first lion's club. You know... I heard of a little girl that was trying to tell other little girls about this, this Daniel in the lion's den. And she went something like this. She said, you know, they let Daniel down in the lion's den. And a group of lions went over in the corner. And they had a committee meeting. You know what denomination they belonged to. They had a committee meeting. They had a committee meeting. And she said they decided who would attack Daniel first and who would take one leg and one arm and so on And while they're discussing it, they decided that they'd do a little research. She didn't use the word research, of course. She said they decided they'd choose one of their number to first go over and examine Daniel and bring him back a report. So they took a great big lion, had a great big mane. He was the main lion. And he went over with martial step. The other lions were watching back over there in the corner, licking their chops. He walks over there. They can hardly wait. They they want to say, hurry, hurry, hurry. He doesn't hurry. Goes over to Daniel, examines himself all over from tip to toe. Very, very meticulous is his examination. Very thorough. And his friends are back there licking their chops. Hurry up. I'm not hurrying. I have a job to do and I'm going to do it right. So all over Daniel he goes then with martial tread he goes back to where they are they said shall we eat him who of us shall start first shall we eat him he said don't you eat little girl telling, don't you eat him this why not he said i'm telling you don't you touch him why not he's going to be our supper don't you touch him why don't we touch him he said too much backbone the story of daniel in the lion's den is a thrilling story If anybody thinks it isn't thrilling, get in a den with lions and see whether it isn't dramatic or not. It is drama. You can't overdo it. It's God's servant that the lions could not eat. And when the other men said they weren't hungry, the king said, I'm glad you mentioned that. Since they aren't hungry, we're going to let you have their companionship. So he lets them down. And they they can't even touch the ground, just a little piece of a leg bone hits the ground. And they're gulped down, digested. <laughs> Tell the story to the boys and girls. In his presence is fullness of joy, right or wrong. And then the story of the three Hebrew children. What a tremendous story. You can't over-dramatize it. It's impossible. There the king had decided to make a great image, you know, 90 foot tall, all of gold, because his friends said to him, and his courtiers said to him, You know, in the dream that, that you had, uh, the gold represented your kingdom, and it's going to pass away. Your kingdom should last forever. So make an image, all of gold, O oh king, O oh king, O oh king. So he makes an image, all of gold, and, and gives out a proclamation all over the then known world. Come, we're going to have a celebration. We're going to have all kinds of music. The dulcimers, the harps, all kinds of music. And when the music starts, everybody's going to fall down flat before that image. Oh, my. Why oh, tell the boys and girls about it? And as the music started, all those people fell down flat. Except three. <laughs> three didn't fall down flat. They had... They had a, back, a backbone, not a, not a piece of spaghetti where the backbone should be. They had backbone. They stood right up. And some of those people that claimed to be worshiping, they peeked. <laughs> they peeked and they saw three men standing up, refusing to kneel down. Oh my, it's dramatic. And they rushed over to the king. They said, listen. These three men that you've set over the the city of Babylon and, and the province of Babylon, these slaves, they don't respect you at all. They didn't bow down at all. And the king loved these men. He believed in these men. So he called them very kindly and he said, I know you didn't mean to do it. But he said, next time that the music starts, I'll give you another chance. The next time the music starts, be sure and bow down. Whether you mean it or not isn't the question. Just so long as you bow down, then people won't know any difference. And they said, King, (laughs) we love to obey you. But in this matter, there's a God up in heaven and we just cannot bow down to that image. And more than that, King, if you put us in the fiery furnace, it'll not burn us up. But if it does... (laughs) Whether it does or not, oh king, we're not going to bow down. And the king became so angry. Boys and girls, the king became so angry that he said to the people, look, heat that furnace. Seven times hotter than the underwriters will, underwriters will even guarantee it. And they heated it and they heated it and they heated it and it became quite hot. It almost trembled with heat, boys and girls. Tell them about it. And then the king said, now it's just right. Bring those three scoundrels. And he got the biggest two-story, double-chested men of the realm to grab those men. And with a great long poker, they opened the door. And as they opened the door, the flame burst out and burned those men to a crisp. Did you ever hear of potato chips? They thought they were choice potatoes. And they ended up potato chips. <laughs> Unedible but they were able to throw the men in, and the men were in, the three men (laughs) were inside. And the king's sitting there on the throne. Nobody could close the door. He looks through, and you know what happened? You know what happened? Tell the boys and girls about it. You know what happened? What happened to his knees? What does the Bible say happened to his knees? His knees went. What happened to his elbows? That's a fight. That's a Bible fact. You can't exaggerate it. You can't exaggerate Wait, a man. There's trying to uh, the story of a man who is going to slay three men, and as he looks and he sees four men. You can't dram- over dramatize it. And he turns to the man sitting beside him, and how would he say? You think he said, "Didn't we cast three men in?" He didn't say any such thing. He said. Oh, no, oh, 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 this is a fact. This isn't fancy. This is an exaggeration. That king never once said, we cast three men in and there's four there. What do you think about it? No, no. He said, we cast. And his courtier said, <clears throat> he said, and there's four there. And the fourth one is the one they've been talking about, the Son of God they've been telling me about. And when he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego come out, do you think he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Didn't say any such thing. Shadrach. He calls and he cries in great agony. Do you believe it or not? Is it true or isn't it? Tell the boys, that's the kind of a savior we have. The form of the fourth was like the son of God. And the men came out and not a hair of their head was singed. Tell our boys and girls about our kind of a God. And I want to tell you when my father and mother told me about Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they said, now let's pray before you're going to sleep. We don't want to go to sleep. Tell us another story. Tell us another story. The most wonderful time to tell children's stories is when you want them to go to sleep and they don't want to. (laughs) Then they'll listen to stories and they'll sleep on those hero stories and they'll pray to the God of heaven. You know what I did as father and mother told us those stories? God, help me to be like Daniel. Oh, Lord, no matter what happens, help me to be like Daniel. When they told the story of the three Hebrews, Lord, help me to be like those three Hebrew children. Help me not to be afraid of the fire, dear Lord. No matter what people do, help me to stand for Jesus. Do you know if there's one thing in this world that will give children the ability, little children, that will prepare little children to do what's right instead of going with a gang? It's these Bible stories. It tells a little boy and girl, you don't have to go with a gang. And before they're of the gang age, which is nearing the teens, 10, 11, you see, 12, before they come to the gang age, they are prepared for it. I'll stand for Jesus. No matter what the gang says, I don't have to belong to my peers. I belong to Jesus. And that's exactly what happened to, to our brothers. We went to church school. There were some boys our age that were going to public school. As we started going up the hill, just starting up the hill to our, to our home, which was three-quarters of a mile up, these boys of the world, they said, Go up, you Saturday-terrians. Do you think that made us say we'll go with you? No. We said, We're, we're not merely going up. <laughs> we went a little to extremes. We found some nice, smooth stones. <laughs> And we let those stones fly in their direction. Now we went to the other extreme. But dare to be a Daniel, amen? Let's sing it. Dare to be a Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make it known. Many mighty men were lost Daring not to stand Who for God would have made a host By joining Daniel's band So dare to be a Daniel Dare to stand alone Dare to have a purpose Firm and dare to make it known. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to let men and women know that in God's presence there's fullness of joy. In 1 Samuel 12, 23, it says that prayerlessness is sin. Samuel said to the people, God forbid that I should sin against God by ceasing to pray for you. Intercessory prayer is part of the plan of salvation. And when you and I refuse to engage in intercessory prayer, whether a man deserves it or not, we're sinning against the Lord. You'd be surprised how many Christians are having trouble with intercessory prayer. And they'll bring up they'll let the devil bring up all kinds of questions why they shouldn't intercede. God forbid that I should sin in ceasing to pray for you. Intercessory prayer is part of the gospel proclamation. Prayerlessness is sin. I was so thrilled with God's wonderful answers to prayer that when I was in the academy in Union Springs, New York, our folks had moved right beside the property of the Academy. Our property touched the boundary line of the, of the academy grounds. My brother and I had our room upstairs in that little home. We just saw it again this spring, the 22nd of April. They called me back for, for the alumnus meeting, and they asked me to give the three sermons. And we drove past that little little house. Upstairs in that bedroom... I had a wonderful experience with the Lord. My brother Lester had become discouraged. It seemed that none of the teachers understood him at all. You know, when some boy or girl seems to be mischievous and mean and cussed, let us not, as leaders and parents, let us not be mean. Right? Let us pray for the boys and girls. It seemed, and I can only say it seemed, I'm sure there are praying people, but it seemed to me that nobody was praying for my brother. Father and mother away that particular morning, my brother was, I don't know where, decided to give up school, run away and go somewhere. And my heart went out for my brother. I went upstairs to our little bedroom. I fell on my knees. Now, I don't have much knee padding. Did you ever try on your knees? It's kind of hard. There's not too much skin there. There's skin, but not not much padding. And I fell on my knees, and I began to pray and claim God's salvation for my brother. I prayed 10 minutes on my knees. As I was praying, the Holy Spirit came to me, And he seemed to say this. If you'll keep praying, your brother will come right back to this house. He'll go upstairs. He'll come through the hallway. He'll come right in the room where you're praying. And he'll kneel right down beside you. And it seemed, the thought voice seemed so clear that I just kept on praying 20 minutes. You know, a boy in in high school doesn't stay on his new knees 20 minutes I stayed 30 minutes I finally stayed 40 minutes praying for my brother I heard the door nearest the school property I heard the latch move I heard footsteps through the kitchen and I was listening on my knees I said it is not father and mother because I hear footsteps of only one person I heard heard the footsteps come through the kitchen To the stairway door, I heard the stairway latch move. Footsteps were coming up the stairway. You couldn't hear them very much going up. Through the hallway, I heard the door open to the room where I was kneeling. I just felt like getting up and hugging him. No, I stayed there. Stayed right on my knees. My head bowed. My brother Lester knelt right down beside me. And he put his arm around me. And he put his face up next to mine. He said, Glenn, were you praying for me? I said, yes, Lester. His life was changed. He has been an ordained minister for many years. He has had the privilege of baptizing hundreds upon hundreds of souls into Jesus Christ. Thank God for intercessory prayer. Today at the age of 76, he's pastor of a church of almost 500, member of the conference committee, one of the assistant secretaries of the conference, moving ahead like a a young man 30 years of age, how he works. Thank God for intercessory prayer. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore as we reach out this evening to the Lord. Don't you think it would be well for us to make a new commitment to the Lord? Say, Lord, if I've spent a little time each day with you, what can I carry away with me? What can a man take when he lies down in the grave? He takes nothing but the hope of the resurrection in Jesus Christ and the character that Christ has given him, and he'll be raised to life. He has nothing else. He can't take any property. He can't take any money. He can't even take any fame. He's in the dust. Oh, how silly it is for men to move ahead like the animals when we can find in his presence there's strength, there's joy, there's salvation, there's eternal life. What do you say? Dear Lord in heaven, Thank you this evening that you've promised joy and salvation and guidance and answers to prayer as we rededicate our hearts and lives to Jesus. Dear Lord, there may be a heart here this evening so plowed up with trials and trouble that that heart just needs special help. And Lord, you've said If two of you shall agree, it shall be done. We believe, Lord, that others are right here in this audience praying for such a soul. With every head bowed, every eye closed, are you in trouble? Would you like special prayer? So just lift your hand. Dear Lord, thank you just now. You're meeting out the answer just now. You've said, ask, it shall be given you. Lord, help us not merely to ask, but to believe. And Lord, we're claiming it and thanking you that we are receiving. Oh, we're so thankful. And then how many have a burden for other souls? Would you lift your hands with me? Thank you, dear Lord, for sending angels to their side, the Holy Spirit to work on them. And then, Lord, use us as beautiful messengers of Jesus. In thy lovely name we thank you. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse